On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to talk about how to have those really hard conversations at work and how to best deal with conflict. Welcome to Bootstrappers, a unique program designed to help make your business better. From property management to remote workers, Bootstrappers is here to help your business succeed. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. So let's lace up those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Welcome to this episode of Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that are important to real estate and property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, here with my lovely spouse, Jeremy Aspen. I'm the lovely one. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about a topic that I actually really love, and it's conflict resolution in the workplace, because I feel like I handle this a lot, and I'm always like coaching people on this topic. And quite a bit better than I do. I'm I'm quick to make a lot of the mistakes. No, you're not. No, you're good. Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. We help transform and scale your business make you more profitable, and whether it's our virtual assistant service or our emergency call center or even full-blown back office support where we pretty much just do everything for you, we've got you covered. And if you're a fan of the show, please like and subscribe, tell all your friends, and we have a free book giveaway at the end of the show. We'll reveal which book we're giving away. You can find that information um, on the description part of our YouTube page or on Instagram at Bootstrapper Show. And just so you know, you sounded exactly like the uh, instructor that you have on your Peloton when you said friends. (laughs) I do kind of love the Peloton. So uh, conflict resolution. So this is a topic, seriously, uh, near and dear to my heart. And for me, the big thing is that you can pretty much handle anything that happens in your business, whether it is um, drama, office politics, incompetence of an employee, bad outcomes and handling who's responsible for that, uh, people pointing fingers at each other, poor communication skills, or handling any grievances if you do it in a particular professional and kind way. So in this show, we're gonna kinda go over some of those things. The number one thing that I like to remind people when they are, when I'm coaching people on conflict resolution is that our normal bias, and Jeremy, you love brain bias discussions, but our normal bias is when we perceive someone uh, did something wrong, like let's say an employee, we think they didn't get back to a client. We perceive it as them being either stupid or bad or... Making a mistake. Ma- like that they really did something super wrong, right? What is that bias called? It's a bias the of the Pessimism brain. bias probably is what that would be applied under. And it's it's human nature. I don't know why we always assume the worst whenever there's a problem that arises, but we all do it. Well, and just so you know, that pessimism bias is also more applicable to people who are depressed or anywhere on the spectrum of not happy. Oh, really? Yeah, so the more stressed out you are, the less contented you are with your your situation, the more likely you are to um, apply that pessimism to other people. But I will take responsibility for my own pessimism bias. I think I'm a pretty happy person and I do genuinely love just about everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but like a, I still do it. Like when I see that. something, like let's say a client complains that somebody didn't get back to them, 
I go straight to pessimism bias. What the heck happened? How did this how did this go wrong? And then I before I talk to anybody about it, I always take a step back and I say seek first to understand to myself. Because typically uh, problems are are not as bad as they seem like. There's a reasonable reason why something happened. Would you agree, Jeremy? Um, yeah, I would say usually that's that's true. Um, it's not, but it is always a good place to start with, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Seek first to understand and get it nailed. And, and let me give an example. My favorite example. I may have used this before in the show, but it just demonstrates this pessimism bias so well. So we use a software at Anaquim for our remote professionals where it kind of tracks their hours and then with the hours it does screenshots and if it if people use a cheating software, which apparently these exist, where you can make your mouse look like it's working, but it's not, and that way you can do other things. So the software alerted us that this guy was using a cheating, quote unquote, cheating software. And HR was like, guns a-blazing, like, this guy's stealing time, what is going on? Um, And I said, before you talk to him, I want you to remember to first seek to understand ask him why he's using the software don't go in saying you're cheating so they did that but, and, and that was hard for them to hold themselves back it was they that, took it very personally that cheating they took it very very personally and but that cheating software had kind of just come out like it was it was starting to be a thing in the industry so they really thought they had their first case here and they were just so mad that somebody would cheat on them like that because that's kind of what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. They, and then they they went in and they did. It's good that you got to them first. It was, because then, uh, th- so they talked to him, why are you using the software? And the guy was like, oh, well, I found out this way to automate my processes, and so I have this automatically cutting and pasting in the background and doing my work for me, so I'm twice as efficient. I was like, oh my God. Can you imagine jumping on, down that guy's throat and telling him you're a cheater, a liar, blah, blah, and then all of a sudden he's working from a downhill position, trying to get back up to where he was. That's all wasted energy, and it's exactly the opposite of what was going it's on. It's like the perfect employee, yeah. right? And then we would have accused him, and I imagine that employee that is that uh, employable, like that's the kind of person he's that- gone. He's gone. Yeah. And so, so if we don't seek first to understand, then we end up losing our best employees because nobody, if you're doing like an awesome job and you're working overtime and maybe you're doing things that your boss doesn't even know you're doing because you're that good of an employee and then someone jumps down your throat, why didn't you respond to this client? And then they, sh- you know, a lot of the times in those cases, the email went to spam or the client like didn't see it in their inbox because they have like a thousand emails in there. A lot of the times where we're like, oh my gosh, we're not getting back to people. It There's a demonstration that we actually did yeah, and that the client didn't respond. But when we treat people badly, they, they end up wanting to leave the company and it doesn't do us any good. They, they end up leaving, wanting to leave the company if they have any confidence at all in their abilities. Mm-hmm. And if they have confidence in their abilities, the odds are they are able. <clears throat> And those are the people you want to keep. Just see if seek first, seek to, first understand. to understand, or you're not doing yourself or them any favors. And the other thing that I would like to to, to talk about regarding this pessimism bias is the majority of conflict I found, especially since we manage a com- almost completely remote company, 
is the number one reason for conflict in the workplace is just sheer misunderstanding. Yep. Like poor communication. So it's really important when those things happen to get on the same page. And that's more, that's a seek to understand as well. But when you are in that mad place and your body, like you have that bodily response. You get flush in the face. And you're like, oh my gosh, this person did me wrong. And that's your initial reaction. The best thing is to step back, assume it's a misunderstanding because 90% of the time it is. Take a deep breath and actually physically do it. And then when you confront, and confronts the wrong word because it sounds so aggressive. When you inquire with curiosity as to what happened and say, hey, I got this complaint from a client that you didn't get back to them, you know, what's that about? Uh, you'll be in that place where you're assuming it's a misunderstanding or assuming the best of the other person and then the response you get is gonna be in kind. Like if you come in with just curiosity and of course you're gonna hold people accountable, like you can't just not get back to people, but you're not coming from this threatening position, they're going to be more honest with you about what happened too if they really did screw up, which allows you to coach, improve a process, or make your business better. And not to belabor the point except that misunderstandings in a virtual environment are far easier to, to, to pick up on like in, in, in a bad way. So you're, because there's we don't have those physical cues like we're having a conversation right now and I might roll my eyes just a little bit, but the way that we developed as human beings is to pick up on facial expressions mm. or even little micro um, movements. You don't have that in a virtual environment. Um, so you have to be, you have to take extra precautions. It almost has to reach a level of feeling awkward when you're dealing in a more virtual environment. And that's not to say it doesn't happen in the real world too, but. Um, so an example of that is I was having a one-on-one yesterday and there was a lot of work to do that was brought up. Like There was a lot of to-do things that needed to get accomplished for us to meet our quarterly goals. And the person I was talking to looked at me with a face, facial expressions oh, yeah. of resignation. And I was like, I can't get off this call with your face looking like that. Because <laughs> I, I, I either feel like you think these to-dos are, it's impossible, like I've set you up for a failure, or I put you on a fool's errand, but if you look this resigned, none of this is gonna happen. So I'd rather spend 10 more minutes talking through this or making it work for you. I'm just not gonna get off the call with your face looking like that. Yeah, so again, so I like know we've calling out those facial expressions. And we've started. mentioned this before, but video is the way to have conversations with your virtual employees. Even your uh, American employees that are working from their home, get on the phone, even clients talk. I oh mean, using, using the Dick Tracy kind of technology that we have had now for 20 years. Dick Tracy, oh my God, that's. That was a <laughs> oh my God, back... you sound 80 years old. Yeah, well, it was cool. Uh, yeah, and it, I mean, how Tracy. inconvenient. That... <laughs> I don't even really know who the that Dick is. Te- the Dick Tracy technology <laughs> is upon us and you can use it. Um, but at the end of the day, what you want to do is give yourself every opportunity to be nice. Okay, so that brings us back to um, handling things really professionally. So I think every company has a value that is basically about treating people well. So it might be respect, it might be 
integrity. Ours, we have integrity and kindness in ours. Kindness to me means uh, professionalism, essentially. For me, it's more or the way I frame it in my mind is just the golden rule. I, I think and don't blow up at people. Yeah. I guess is really what I'm asking with kindness. Yeah, and for, applying it to mine with the golden rule thing. If someone blows up at me, I'm gonna like. You like that's that's my first go-to thought like emotion. I hate I can't stand it and neither can anybody else So when people so and that's what happens. So let's say someone screws up and then Unless we really hold ourselves back Anger gets in the way and we blow up or we're really harsh with somebody. Okay, that's just like unless we are really good at regulating our own emotions, that's what happens so I, I like all the employees that I'm developing to be middle managers to really t think through the kindness, virtue, or value that we have. I'm like, do you really buy into kindness is always better than being a, a jerk? Or do you think that there are moments where being a jerk is effective? And, and I really wanna know because I think that sometimes people don't buy into kindness as one of our values. And if they're gonna be a manager at Anaquim, they have to. I th evolutionarily speaking, I think that meanness, like to be curt with somebody, really is to uh, design to draw a very stark line in the sand. So you can be mean with somebody when they are actually um, crossing a, a when, when there's a real like moral infraction, like if they've actually done something to harm you. I honestly think that it, it, maybe if you know the relationship is gonna be severed and you don't wanna repair it, that would be the case. But if you wanna repair the, the relationship. That's my point. I mean, Then there's no reason to ever be rude in business. Ever, and that's kind of, that's what I wanted to make sure to be clear about, is that there really is no good reason to be mean Ever. So when I was talking through this with- Unless you want to get rid of them, right? Yeah. Uh, and even so, then they're more likely to sue you. And it, yeah. it's still, I Way still more. don't find it useful. And it may be gendered also. Like, I just can't get away with being mean. It just doesn't ever work for no. me. But, but at the same time, I was talking through this with an employee that we're looking to develop and move up. And she was like, I don't know if I buy into it. Like sometimes with my family, I have to be kind of- kind of have that boundary and be a little rough. And I was like, yeah, but you can't get rid of your family. Like someone at work has the choice to go to a different company. It's not the same as with your family. And I could have so argued, work. I could have argued the family point uh, because I still don't think being I, yeah, mean right, is useful. But, but I think, uh, you know, if you want to disagree on that, whatever. But at, at work where people have a choice to work there or not, they're going to choose if they're a high quality employee to not be treated poorly. I think there would be a fun conversation because you mentioned the gendered part. There is, I, there does seem to be, I think, a little bit of a misunderstanding, especially with women in um, leadership positions. I kind of get the impression that that curtness or the meanness might be perceived as manly and manliness is sometimes seen as strength. And I think there's a disconnect, like a real problem in that so you well okay well i don't subscribe to that and i, I don't want to go down that road we shouldn't but. today but i do think there is something to it it would it I, there might be a tendency for some women to be a little bit meaner than they otherwise would be just because they think that people see that as strength so so back to my point i mean i was asking this person 
do you buy into kindness? And so here's the other thing with kindness. Kindness does not mean saccharine, sugarcoating the truth either. That's another misconception about kindness. I had an employee, and I still feel badly about this, and anyone who's in a leadership position at Anaquim knows this story because this is when I failed miserably. She worked for us, she wasn't doing a good job, and I was doing the shit sandwich, right? Like, you did this well, and then you did this badly, but don't worry about it, because you're just doing fine. I did the, and I wasn't being totally direct about how poorly she was doing, and then when I fired her, it was a huge shock. And as I was reflecting on that, I realized that me being kind was me being kind to my own ego, because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to see myself as mean, and I thought being direct was mean, but I was actually being unkind to her because she had no idea where she stood at the company and then ended up losing her job. So kindness is not sugarcoating. Kindness is actually being really honest. So with this person I was trying to develop a few weeks ago, she said, I really wanna be a manager. And I said, well, I'd love for you to be a manager, but if you become a manager and it doesn't work out because I don't prepare you for the role, I might have to fire you. And I don't wanna do that because you're a valuable employee. So I was like super direct. I'm like, so let's go through the process. Let's develop you. It might take a little bit longer than you want, but at least if you do get there and you make it, it will be a good fit. So yeah. So that's being extremely direct, but it was done in a very kind tone where I was thinking about her as a person. And to your point, then that's just to make sure that the procedures, what it is that they're supposed to do are obviously clear they they deserve to have that that's a version of kindness um it's front loading their job with what it is that is expected of them and i think we kind of drive this home as often as we can because making sure that um it's a kind of honesty when you let people know what it is that is expected of them when the procedures are clear the job description is clear they have an opportunity to stay on that path and you bring it back to um, anytime there's an infraction from a procedure or anything that they're doing, bring it back to the value that your company has and its value, missions and values, right? You, because that helps bring the converse, it helps bring up your values more regularly and it takes that kind of thing that's on the wall that has your mission and vision and applies them into the DNA of the company itself. And then it becomes habitual. People can catch themselves making mistakes, like like if it's an accountant and they're off by three cents in the trust account, you know what, we could just take the three cents. But that might actually lead to an infraction of integrity because it's not your three cents. Mm-hmm. And then there's a slippery slope argument. Mm. Because you can obviously go from three cents to 25 cents to a dollar 25 to, well shit, I'm never gonna find these $300. And, it, mm. and that happens I think a lot in our industry. If, mm. You know, we go into a lot of people's books and you can't do that. We had one client, no joke, that over the course of four years had accidentally taken $57,000 from their clients, mm. unwittingly. They had no intention of doing that, but that's what happens a little bit over time. So if you make sure in the accounting world, you do not allow, you have integrity, that's one of our values, and you don't let it go. You don't let it slip. That's a really good point. And then, so with conflict, um, if we don't handle conflict appropriately as leaders, and 
operate in our pers- in our own relationships at work in the way that we want the staff to act then and we we're allowing ourselves to not be kind and be curt to be rude and not have integrity it creates a toxic work environment where there's a lot of drama Wait, and i think part of it is as owners or, or managers, we're kind of peacocking that we're busy. You know what I mean? Like, it might not even always be genuine, or or if it is, it acts exactly the same way. Um, because we, as I think the maybe the type A's especially, they kind of want to make sure everybody knows that they've got things to do and leave them alone. You know, and so they just kind of I don't know. They, they kind of put those peacock feathers up, like, hey, so if I'm you, busy. So are so you saying curt, that they're, they're curt. oh they're curt because they're busy? Yeah, okay, because they're busy. But the problem is, is then that leads to everybody being problems. everybody being curt at the company. Right. Um, so bringing things back to the values does a few th- for every instance, whether it's kudos or whether it's um, you know a feedback. When you bring it back to the values, you show your staff that you're serious about it. And then the people on the front lines who you might not deal with as often, they can be whistleblowers. They feel this uh, psychological safety to be whistleblowers if people are creating a toxic environment because they feel like you're going to care when that happens. And that's really important to keep a culture strong and to keep drama at bay. If everybody's focused on being professional, respectful, kind, having integrity at the company and it's talked about every day, then then that drama, when someone creates drama and is just mean or political at work, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And people will know intuitively that when they're not abiding by the rules because it's constantly, uh, the rules are very simple, they are, they feel it coming that they're firing themselves. They start to, they start to know that, oh, okay, this isn't adding up, things are going the wrong direction, and it's kind of their way to check to make sure internally all the time that they're on the right path. That's what clarity does. That's what being nice does. So one of the reasons, just one last point before we move on to another topic. I think people feel like it's appropriate to blow up at work because they don't have a good write-up process or because they don't have a a good understanding of what someone's job is, so they're held hostage to that employee. Not not so much that they feel like they can, but that that might be what drives them to blow up. Yeah, like, well, well, no, but also if, if you have kindness as a value and you know if this person doesn't do what I ask, the proper response is to write them up or get rid of them, and you know that Okay, well, that's the next step. So, there, you don't need to be all emotional about yeah, so it. It's, it's not an, emotional. It's an iterative process. So like, oh, it's like baby steps. Oh, oh, made a little mistake. We've got to give you a verbal warning. Oh, look at that. Messed up. I just want to write this down to let you know exactly what I meant when I verbalized it last time. And then the second time, now you're kind of down a and Like, uh, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. To re- I've retrained you, we've reviewed the procedure, you said it made sense, we're still making the mistake. But there's no reason to have an emotional response right. if everything is super clear and then your steps to, as you said, fire themselves. Like you're firing yourself, you're not following this procedure that's really clear. 
there's no need to get emotional. It's just like this equals this. And that's what maybe that, that colloquialism of, you know, Hey, it's just business where you're trying to kind of protect yourself from being kind of a dick. Um, you, you can hey, look, I, this is just business. Well, it, it's just business if you take the emotion out. Like, and you can do just business if you have that procedure of the, the iterative process of going from, oh, slight infraction to, well, you're firing yourself. So there, no emotion. there is one other key thing in the way that I handle people that I think is helpful. So let's say this person is making mistakes, but I really don't want to fire them. I, I want them on the team, but I also can't handle this poor these poor outcomes. I'm going to call on the best part of themselves. Like, Jeremy, you're so good at this job. I've seen you do better. I know you can do better. Please show me the work I'm used to or the the work I know you're capable of. So you always call on them the best part of who they are while you're also telling them the behavior is not appropriate. That does two things. One, it doesn't have that pile-on effect. When people feel the pile-on effect, they can't get better because they are so insecure that they make more mistakes. We've all been in that position mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm never going to win. And then it just is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it allows them to come back from failure if you call on their best selves. Yep. And secondly, they, they want to be better. So sometimes we can save people if we call on their best selves. So that has really worked for me. I statements. Okay, so I do want to go back to also when we were giving people feedback, being like, like let's say someone's just not getting their work done. Say, I am really stressed out because when I'm driving home from work, I can't, I'm thinking about whether you got things done or not. And I just can't live my life or run my business always worried about whether we're getting things done. So I'm using an I statement. I'm not in how this makes me feel, like how this is affecting me. And I get better results when I use I statements. Do you, I mean, do you find I, I actually only hear you say it. I'm not so conceited that I can even comfortably say I very often. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. It's, it's actually a great, it sounds like, I mean, it really is a good way of doing it. It's a way, I like to address things head on and I never avoid any conflict. Like even if we're in a meeting and it feels like things are tense, I'll be like, it feels really tense in here. What's going on guys? Like I do not avoid conflict. At all. But conflict for me, I don't ever think it sounds like conflict. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, well, and part of it is self-fulfilling. Like we in our marriage, we have a 24-hour rule. It's kind of the same thing. Like if you're a little uncomfortable after 24 hours, you bring it up, um, even if it's something seemingly stupid, uh, because you don't want that pile-on effect. You don't want it to actually become an emotive um, issue, right? Mm-hmm. Same right. thing, kind of. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about when two employees can't get along. I hate these situations. They're very draining, but they're really important. So active listening is very important. If I have to mediate two employees having problems, the first thing I do actually is not even active listening. It's clarifying where the problem is. Is the problem that the right hand doesn't know what its job is versus the left hand, like the division of labor isn't isn't clear? Is it that someone's not getting a particular task done so they need to be retrained or they don't understand it or whatever, the case, or it's not clear? So I always figure out what the real issue is. 
But then when it, after a certain point, it has typically with these conflicts, it's gotten personal. So then once we have clarity of what happened and where we're going to go from here from the work perspective, then we have to dig into the relationship. And when we do that, we have to listen to each person, and then I'm always the I'm the one who paraphrases what I heard from each person, and then we then we deduce it to what we agree upon, and tease out the. It's usually something really small that we disagree on, and then I usually use this phrase: uh, "Reasonable people can disagree mm-hmm. on this." And no one's wrong, but reasonable people could disagree that this was right or this was wrong. Are we all on the same page? And when we make the disagreement way smaller than what it felt at the beginning, I can get people to make up. Yeah. So finding the agreement first is kind of the headline there where you just need to, if you're dealing with two people, um, it is almost always that there was an initial problem and then they kind of went to that pessimism bias or they read into the all the bad that this person probably has been doing or conspiring to do and it's become way more than 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 it is even real like it starts to become gossip it starts to be a problem so by finding an agreement by 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 winnowing away at all through all of that messiness all of that static and you find what it is you guys can all agree on like this broke right yes okay now you have a starting point and it's usually just Diminutive. It, like, it doesn't even compare in com- in comparison to what was initially alleged. Mm-hmm. That there's this major problem. She's being a bitch and all this. Stuff. Well, okay, hold on a sec. What happened? Well, my internet went down. Okay, so oh, can okay. reasonable people disagree about whether that was a moral infraction? Yeah. The, the real thing is we have to get down to where the moral infraction was. And if reasonable people can disagree because there was a misunderstanding, then it kind of makes all the drama go away. Okay, so when we're deducing it down to the moral infraction, sometimes people get really irrational and they'll say something like absolutely crazy. So it will be deduced to, so do you believe this person is truly a bad person? Right. I mean, are they inherently bad? Do they deserve to not be at this company? So when someone says something super irrational, I usually send it right back to them as a question. So uh, Julie is a bad person. And then they'll be like, well, she's not a bad person. And then they change their tone. So whenever something's irrational, phrasing it back to them Mm. as a question gets them to change their own mind, which is way more effective than me combating. Like, if I say, Julie's a bad person, they'll be like, no, 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 well, she's not a bad person. But if I say, Julie's not a bad person, mm. then they'll argue with me about mm. why she's a bad person. Yeah. So, Isn't that crazy how so that works? So, whenever something is really irrational, that question, tone, helps them get into a rational space and it's super effective i can't i cannot recommend the question enough it's amazing it's amazingly effective it changes the tone and once we get rid of the irrational thought people can get along yeah and i mean i I, before we wrap up i just want to say this stuff is super hard it's super hard and it takes a lot of work and you do have to authentically care about people to get it right. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, and in instances where there are leaders that 
probably don't really care about their employees like in a real way. I mean, I think we've probably seen some um, people who are devoid of any really ability to care for anybody at all. And they, it just doesn't work because then what, what becomes the managing, the prescription for that person is to really be straightforward and dickheadedy. That's, that's, that's what that's the way that they operate and they just can't keep people so they're going to be uh, stuck with always being which isn't terrible but not being able to grow past kind of a single operator um, sized company that's so probably a huge so if I could wrap it all up I think that if people have clarity with their jobs and they know what's expected of them the company is values based um, that cuts down on drama on the front end. And then if we can be our people's biggest fans and biggest champions personally, but still hold them accountable, we can cut down on drama, tease out what the real problems are, and really run effective businesses. Right. So uh, this episode of Bootstrappers uh, has its... Uh, I should say the book giveaway. I got to talk about the, yeah, book, the giveaway. book giveaway. So this book really helped me with some of these personal issues and dealing with conflict. It's called very apropos Cru- uh, crucial conversations by Carrie Patterson. It's a fantastic book. So if you struggle with relating with people personally at work or some of these EQ issues that come up, I totally recommend this. Book. So it's recommend the book, but uh, also if you go to the YouTube page, and check, uh, click on the description. Uh, you can, and or no, you submit some sort of a comment, something that's useful for us. We're going to pick one of the comments and send a free copy of free that copy. Book. Get crucial conversations for free. <laughs> so that's a wrap of this episode of Bootstrappers. We'll see you next week. This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand how the world turns. Contact Gwen or Jeremy at posts at bootstrappers.club or visit our website, anaquim.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thank you and join us next time for Bootstrappers.